This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Well, I hope you enjoy the Congress because I believe God's presence is here and moving. I hope you don't spend your time and money and go back home the way you came. Because if we don't make decisions every day, listen folks, every single small nonsense decision counts for our eternity. Because small decisions create habits and habits makes charac- make character. And character is who we are and it's very difficult to change. So the Bible says that small foxes ruin big vineyards. People pay attention to big events and they come twice in a life. And people don't pay attention to daily small events and those create who we are. Anyway, before we start, let's bow our heads and have a prayer. Father in heaven, again in humbleness, we pray that you come with your spirit. We are not worthy, we are not able, but we come in Jesus' merits and pray that you open the word and touch every heart according to your grace and wisdom and love, that we may be transformed and know you and serve you and love you. Please work because you know exactly what everybody needs. In Jesus' precious name and merit we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. And so, I don't know if we have time before we start for a couple of questions. If you want, raise your hands, quick one or two questions, and then we start because we have very little time today. Okay? I appreciated what you shared about like praying for like 15 people, and that's probably going to take you an hour. Um, What would be your encouragement for someone that probably really should be praying for maybe a few hundred people? Is that going to just take four or five hours? What would be, how it would be to pray for 200 people to have a long list? Well, God bless you, do that. If God put it in your heart. I myself tried and I personally, and I, I'm not sure if I'm right. You don't have to take what I say. You need to do your research, study your Bible, pray about it and see how God leads you. I personally don't pray for 200 people. I take a few and labor over them and then after a certain period of time I move to a few others because I don't feel good to pray over many and say a little about each one. I would rather pray over a few and be very specific and very thorough if it's the word in English. And uh, you may have heard on the internet the story of my son when he had the accident Probably most of you do know the story. Who knows the story? Yeah, most of you. Uh, I didn't pray for my son when the doctors told me he has four hours to live. I didn't pray, Lord, heal my son and then move on. My wife and I prayed for nine hours. Nine hours straight. And before that, we had been praying for him for two years. And uh, I just don't believe that anemic prayers would have results. You want results, you've got to put your heart into it. You put your heart in your job, even when you don't like it, because you don't want to get fired. (laughs) Why not put your heart in your relationship with God? 
And so I personally, I take time over each name. And this is how you, I got you, I'll, you, I'll get there. This way, you actually get to love people. You will never get to love them unless you invest in them. And don't imagine that it's so simple to pray for somebody nine hours. You get to a point that where you, you kind of, ah, that's enough. And then if you continue, you start caring and start laboring like Jacob that night. And then you really want an answer. And then you don't give up. When you get to that point, you start loving that person. And so anyway, that's what I do. There was a hand there, quick. We, what happens, how do you pray nine hours without repeating? I'm not saying that you got to pray nine hours. I did uh -huh. when our son was dying and God turned it around. Mm -hmm. But I'm not saying that you got to pray nine hours. There is no place in the Bible that specifies two or nine. You pray as much as is needed. But, but what I am saying, we have a tendency to repeat the same again and again, the same requests when we pray for a temporary need. And let me explain that. You pray to sell a house. You pray to get a job. We keep repeating that prayer every day. Forgetting that God does care. We pray because we are not secure. And we are not secure because we don't know God. When you get to know him, regardless what you go through, you have peace. Those prayers we should not repeat forever. Because if you say, may your will be done, you really need to make room for God's will to be done. God may not want you to get that job or to sell that house. God may have a different plan that you don't understand now. Therefore, you put it in God's hands, but then leave room for his will and accept it joyfully, whatever that will may be. But when you pray for somebody's salvation... I'm not saying for somebody's life. When we prayed for our son, after five hours of prayer, I sensed that God is not answering. And I switched from praying for his life to accepting that he will die and praying for his eternal life. That's not easy for a parent. Before you are a parent, you don't know what I'm saying. When I say, Lord, if you want to take his life, I will accept it. My wife started to scream, are you crazy? <laughs> but I said, am I God? And so I switched to praying and I said, I'm going to let his life go, but I'm not going to let his eternal life go. And there, yes, I was repeating myself and I said, I don't care if you kill me or if I go crazy, but his eternal life, I don't give up. You can take my eternal life, but not his. And God, when I switched my prayer and accepted that he will die, God gave me peace instantly and said he will, he will be saved. God didn't say he will not die. But half an hour later, the doctor called and said, miracle. He has no bone, but there is no brain damage. And so when I accepted to give up his life, God gave his life back. But I didn't get an answer when I kept asking for his life. I got an answer when I kept asking for his eternity. So we confuse those prayers. And it's something, petition prayer and something else, intercessory prayer. So those are, that's the difference. Quick. I wanted to add a comment to what Steve mentioned. Um, God stands back at every promise he makes. And if you think that God's promises and 
so let me explain explain a little what you said so everybody can understand. We pray focusing on problems. Therefore, we pray whining prayers. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? And the more we focus on the problems, the more depressed and faithless we are. God works through faith. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please or to work with God. Or, because faith is the channel that we can receive the impossible, the things that we cannot even understand. Amen. Unless we have faith, God cannot work. Therefore, instead of praying, focusing on the problems, we need to focus on God's work, God's power, God's promises. Because the more we focus on those, the more we nurture, build, feed, develop faith. And when we develop faith, then God can work and we can receive his answers. Therefore, it's not that you repeat his promises or you praise God or repeat God's words because God needs to be flattered. It is because you need to build faith. And you look to Bible prayers, Jehoshaphat. He was attacked by a great, gigantic army, a confederation between six different countries, gigantic army. He had no chance, zero, from a human strategical perspective. He doesn't go, what am I going to do, Lord? He doesn't do that. He takes the letter from Sanherib, if you remember. He goes into the temple, puts the letter down before the Lord, and he says, who are you? You are a wonderful God. I cannot forget, you got us out of Egypt with great hand and plagues. You got us through the Red Sea. You split the sea. You gave us food in the wilderness and water in the wilderness. Food from heaven, raining food. You split the rock. You did that. You did that. You gave us Jericho. You gave us Sihon and Og. You gave us this and you gave us that. And you turned the sun back 10 hours and you did that. What is this for you? This is nothing. This is a joke. Why do you think that he would tell God what God did in the past? Does God need to be refreshed because his memory is short? He didn't do it for God. You cannot go to God, ask something, before you first understand who you are talking with. And by seeing who God is, it helps you build strength and faith. And then you can have confidence to ask. You cannot ask before you have peace and confidence and faith. Only then you can ask. Disciples in the upper room, Peter and Barnabas in prison. Disciples don't say, Lord, please, please, please deliver them from prison. They say, you are an amazing God. And they start pointing what God has done in the past. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits. They point the miracles from the past. And then they say, it is safe to trust in you that you will deliver them. We don't know how, but we know what you have done in the past. We know you. Therefore, you point promises, you point miracles, you point God's character, you point the cross. It builds faith to focus on God's character instead of focusing on the problem. Amen. When you keep your eyes on the problem, you go down like Peter in the water. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk. Amen. Do you understand? Okay, last one. Something like that. I guess my question is, you know, the Bible talks about my people 
perish because of a lack of vision. Mm -hmm. So he says, I said, don't focus on results or answers, focus on relationship. However, you said also that without vision, people perish. If you don't focus on results, it means you don't have a vision. No, those are two different things that I meant. We should have a vision. We should desire results. We should. But if we keep looking for answers and answers don't come, most of the time I see people, I talk to people every day. People get depressed when they don't see an answer. But if you keep looking for Jesus, if you keep looking for an honest, close relationship with God, you get to know him. And you are not so depressed when the results don't come because you know him. And you know that in his time he will work better than you pray. Amen. Way better than you imagine. Way better than you can even dream or expect. Amen. Therefore, it's in your interest to get to know him instead of waiting an answer. You should desire an answer. If you don't desire an answer, why do you pray? It's just that if you keep your eyes on the answer, if it doesn't come, you say, oh man, I've been praying for six months and nothing. Fix your eyes on Jesus and let him deal with the, the timing of, or the way he would answer. So don't get me wrong. Okay, no more questions. That's enough. <laughs> so folks, we do have a trust problem. We don't trust anybody, we don't trust self, and we certainly don't trust God. We just like to fool ourselves to say, oh, I trust God. That's baloney, that's a bunch of words. <laughs> we don't trust God. We don't feel secure to fully surrender everything. Before we deal with it, we don't feel good. Why? If we would trust him, we'll give it to him and whistle and jump up and down. I, I give you an example. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm a good driver. Though I believe I am, but anyway. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that I'm a good driver. But I've, I've been, I'm not a truck driver, but I've been driving a lot in my life. In so many countries, I cannot count. I would say over 50 countries. I could exaggerate. It doesn't matter. But I have been driving all my life. When we had a business, we, we owned a factory in clothing, making clothing. I drove twice a week, I would say, for several years, roughly... 1,000 or more kilometers every time. I drove all over Europe. I drove basically so much driving and drove through snow and drove in Norway when the ice and the snow was taller than homes, literally. If I show you pictures, the road had snow left and right, like two blocks that were way, way. And basically, there were cars in the ditch. I was just going like a bullet. I could not care less. And let me give you a story about driving. We were driving to Tennessee for more than eight years, once a month. And so many times through heavy, extremely heavy rain that you could not see in front of the car. It was like pouring. And cars were all parked on the right. And we kept driving. Twice the flood took our car sideways, floating like a boat. And I kept driving, literally. <laughs> we drove through tornado. The tornado came close and we passed by. <laughs> we drove through snow. I saw an 18 wheeler coming down the hill and the car ahead of me lost control on the ice went and the 18 wheeler rolled over and killed them. We, our family watched the accident. We kept driving. We stopped, called the police. We looked, there was nothing left over inside. They were smashed. I don't know how many people, but they were killed, all of them. We stayed a little. The police came and they said, stop driving. I said, no, nah, we keep driving. 
We drove in Montana, top of the mountain, going down, the brakes broke at the van. We had no brakes. And we came down from the top of the mountain without brakes. And we kept driving. <laughs> I put the wheel, I put the wheel left in the curve, and that's the way I kept the car going slow. You understand me? And we got down. It was a friend of us, Mr. Ralph Hendershot, in the car. He was screaming all the way. <laughs> I thought he need his diapers changed or something. <laughs> in all these trips, we were driving in Romania through the snow, through the storm, through the uh, rain, through the ice, so that didn't, didn't matter. In all these trips, my kids were playing games and talking. And one time, Mr. Ralph Hendershot, we went to Tennessee, and it was heavy rain. And he says to them, how can you play games when you drive through that? And they looked to each other, they looked to him, and they said, you obviously don't know that. <laughs> how could, I'm not, my wife doesn't think that I'm a good driver. She always says, push the brake, take a left. She, <laughs> she, she feels the need to give me instructions. And in the beginning, I was arguing, and I realized that nobody is happy, so I just kept quiet, and I let her say it. <laughs> but why would the kids trust me when I drive, and we don't trust God when he drives? Because the kids are used with me, but we are not used with God. Do you follow me? Thank you. Another example, I was at Cascade Mountain, Wisconsin, ski slope, it's a joke. <laughs> Colorado has ski slopes. Wisconsin, when they call it Black Diamond, probably it's Bunny Hill, but <laughs> anyway. M my kids, they were crazy. They went to the steepest, most difficult, they call it Black Diamond, it's not, but anyway, jumping, trees, getting speed from the top of the mountain. Me? I tried once on the second one, and I fell and broke my thumb. I got so afraid like a chicken that I went to the bunny hill, and I was like, you know what? I was not born with skis in my legs. So I'm just going to take my time. And my kids, oh, you chicken. Oh, come on here. I said, no, you go there. After I finished my adventure, <laughs> I just went to watch them, and I was like, Lord, please protect them. They are crazy, you know? <laughs> and as I was watching them, I have pictures of the guy. Three guys keep coming down the mountain. And they, keep, they have one in the middle with round glasses, black, that says on him, blind skier. <laughs> and they keep screaming, take a left. Straight, take a right, keep straight. A little left, too much, keep straight. I was like, step aside, blind skier. Step, step aside. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so when they got down, I said, that's, that's a good joke, you are not blind. He says, I'm blind. But you do see a little. Nope, nothing, dark. So I did that with my hand in front of his eyes. Can you, can you see anything? He said, nope. He said, what's wrong with you? You could die. And the guy says, these two friends, my buddies, are ski instructors. They are the best instructors that you can have. And I know them since we were babies. And I trust them with my life. People trust sometimes people, yet don't trust God. 
We trust our showers. You turn the water on and you believe it's going to come. We trust our cars. You turn the key on and you expect the car to start. And you don't trust God. Isn't that offending and hurting? Simple example. My kid, and you know the story probably, when he was three, he said, Dad, I want a motorcycle like yours. And I told him, mine is big, you are small. <laughs> you cannot have one. Dad, come on. You talked in the church about persistence. <laughs> I'm going to keep asking until you buy me a motorcycle that I can ride. I said, keep persisting until you are 18, you don't get one. <laughs> He said, Dad, that's a long time. I am only three. I said, I said exactly. <laughs> and he kept asking and asking, come on, Dad, come on. Even if he's not so big, at least so big. I said, that's taller than your son. I said, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to get you a Hot Wheels $2 bike. That's it. He said, no, you cannot ride that. That's a joke. I need one to ride. I said, son, listen, one, like, not Hot Wheels, but one like this with remote. That's it. He says, okay, one like this. He, he lowers the, you know. I said, okay, one like this. He said, okay, one like this. And you're negotiating a little from him, a little from me, until I said, okay, this is the deal. I'm going to get you a bike that is a real bike, but your size, three wheels, not two, plastic, <laughs> pedals, no engine, but one that you can actually get on and ride. He says, so I can ride it? Yes. Can you make it blue? I said, okay. <laughs> when are you going to get it for me? Tomorrow when I come from work. He says, tomorrow around 5 p.m., three wheels, real bike, pedals, blue. I said, yes. He, what? He started to scream, stormed through the door. This is real story. <laughs> and he went in front of the building and started to scream and called all the kids from the neighborhood. <laughs> they are all looking what happened to him. And he says, I have a bike. It is so big, it has three wheels. It has pedals and it is blue. And they said, can we see it? He says, it comes tomorrow 5 p.m. <laughs> Why would he rejoice before he got it? Because he knew that if I give my word, I would rather die than not to keep my word. Why don't we trust God? Do you think that God doesn't keep his word? God would never keep anything good from his children. He is too good. If he gave Jesus, it's nonsense, it's brainless to think that God would not do it. What is easier, to give your son's life or to give a job if you just say and it happens? Let there be night. Let there be light. Let there be still. Let, boom, it happens. What is easier, to sacrifice your son or say, have a job? Do you follow me? But if we see what God sees, we would choose the same he chooses. Amen. And do we go and push him for something Instead of saying, this is what I would like to ask, may your will be done. I'm going to make a decision to trust you. And people confuse faith with emotions. 
Oh, I feel good. I believe God answered. Oh, I don't feel good. He didn't answer. God's love has nothing to do with your chemistry. Regardless how you feel, he loves you just the same. He loved you before you were born. Therefore, we must fix our eyes on him and his promises, not on our problems. For instance, and the problem we have that we don't have faith is not only that we don't know God. That's number one. Number two is that we focus too much on self. Spend too much time with self. God called you to serve. Get busy helping others. And then you you don't get so depressed. You get blessed. Did you hear what I said? People are selfish. Self-centered. It's all about me. And they think they are good Christians. No. Jesus did nothing for self. He came to serve. Not to be served. All we do, we expect everybody around us, including in the family, to serve us. Including in the church. Oh, I came to church to get a blessing. You'll never get a blessing. Don't go to church to get a blessing. Go to church to be a blessing. Stop looking for blessings. When you learn to bless other people, then you start getting blessings. And so, people are extremely selfish. Serving self from morning to night, all life. And that's not Christ's character. That's Satan's character. If you don't like it, that's okay. I will pray for you. Now, saying that, for instance, you know Jennifer Rothschild. Have you read the story on the internet? Okay. Jennifer Rothschild worked for a Christian radio station, talking to people, encouraging people. When she was young, after she got married and she was already pregnant, she learned that she has retinosis pigmentosa. It's, I don't know if I say it right. It's an eye disease. It's a degenerate degenerative disease, there is no cure. You totally lose your sight. Total darkness, not even shades, not even nothing. Nothing can be done. The nerves, the optical nerves, they die. There is no cure. No doctor can help you. No surgery, nothing. And so she learned that she will go blind. In about two years, she was totally blind. And she prayed, think if you were her. It's easy to listen to the story, but not easy to go through the story. If you were her, what would you do? She prayed, she was anointed, she fasted, she even had faith. Nothing happened. Why would God not answer my prayer? I've been praying, God doesn't love me. She got depressed. Why do we get depressed when we pray and it doesn't seem to get an answer? Self in the center. Too much about me being healthy, me having a job, me having blessings, me having a good life and comfortable life. We focus on here instead of focusing on there. This is transitory. Listen to this tough statement. God in his love would do whatever it takes. Take your vision. If that would help you have eternity. Because you and me Focus on 80 miserable garbage years. That yesterday you you were young and today you are 86. And tomorrow you are no more. They go like that. Trust me, just yesterday we had babies and now they are married. 
Yeah. God focuses on eternity. Eternity. And this eight years compared to forever and ever 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 eternity, these eight years are not worthy to even talk about. They go and that's it. It is mindless to lose eternity in order to have a good life 80 years. It's brainless. It's stupidity, foolishness. It's a mind, a child's mind. A child doesn't think about tomorrow. He wants to play today. He doesn't care the future. We are like stupid children. We think a lot about this and we don't think about that. We lose focus of heaven. We lose focus of our mission. We lose focus of our reason to exist. We are not here to have a comfortable life. We are here to love and save people. And to prepare for heaven. That's the reason we are here. And we lose focus on that. And God, in his wisdom and love, will do whatever it takes to save you for eternity. Because the glory there cannot be compared to the best day here. My father used to say, the garbage there is better than the, be the best dream here. And I told him, there is no garbage there. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and so God says, they don't get it. They don't understand heaven. When they are going to see a glimpse of heaven, they will say, wow, I was stupid. If, we could just, if God could just pull the curtain for a second and you'd see heaven for a second. I mean, imagine Adam and Eve before fall. When everything was perfect. Anyway, going back. So she lost her sight. And she was depressed. God would not answer her prayer. And she was like, why God doesn't answer? He doesn't love me. He doesn't care. I've been praying for six months. I've been praying for one year. I've been praying for two years. Why God doesn't answer? I'm blind. I'm terminated. My life is ruined. I'm good for nothing. Why live? I, I'm going to kill myself. And the more she talked about her problems, the more depressed she got, the more she lost her faith. Until her husband, who was a military officer, said to her, Honey, stop focusing on your problems. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And she says, I have no eyes. He said, your mind and your heart, put it on Jesus. Stop looking to your garbage. Easy for you, you are not blind. He said, no, not easy, I am your husband. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, stop focusing on self. Stop focusing on your problems. Stop focusing on your struggles. Put your eyes on Jesus. Don't we sing? Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Do that. Leave it alone. You cannot change it. Don't let your heart be troubled. Have faith in God. Easy for you. Now you need to make a decision. Faith, it's a mind decision. It's not an emotional decision. It's not a science. It's not a proof. It's not something that you can explain. If you can explain it, it's science. Faith is when you don't understand. You choose in your mind to trust in God, regardless what you go through. Amen. And you don't even let your mind wonder about your problem or think about your problem. You say, get behind me, Satan. I'm going to focus on my God. He died for me. He is with me. When you go through the waters... He doesn't say if you go. It's when. It's a matter of time. You will go. When you go through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the fire, I will be with you. You are never alone. I have inscribed you on my palms. I gave my life for you. I will be with you. 
I will get you through. He says, when you go through the valley of shadow, he doesn't say when you go to. When you go through, I'm going to get you out. You go through and you are going to get on the other side because I am with you. You are never alone. And he said to her, focus on his promises. Focus on his sacrifice. Focus on his mercy. Focus on what he has done in the past. He didn't change. You may not understand right now, but he never changed. He says, no, I cannot do that. I am too miserable. You are miserable because you focus on you. That's worshipping humans when you focus on you. Keep worshipping God. Think about it. Joshua at Jericho. It's mindless. It's stupidity from a human perspective to walk around the walls. You want to be safe? Stay away from the walls because they throw arrows. They throw hot tar. They throw rocks. They throw from the walls. Don't stay close to the walls. Walk around the walls. Every day, quiet. No swords, no weapons. Just walk around. Why would you obey God? Because that doesn't make any sense. But Joshua goes to pray before the war. And the stranger comes. And he says, are you with us or against us? We always want God to be with us, you know. Oh, can you be on my side against my husband? Can you be on my side against the Republicans or against the Democrats? Can you be on my side in the church against the pastor? Are you with us? Are you with me, God? Are you on my side? God called you to be on his side, not you call him to be on your side. You should not have a side. And God says, what did he say? Neither. Stop taking sides. I'm here because you called me. And he says probably, what should I do? We are desperate. We have no army. We are very few. Those walls, there are just big walls. 12 feet tall, 8 feet wide. Jericho has giants. What should we do? And God says, okay, we need to do some training. Take your army and do 10 days of instruction. Does he say that? He says, take your shoes off. What is that? Take your shoes off. When they worshipped in the tradition, they took their shoes off in sign of respect. God said in a word, stop worrying about you. Learn to worship me. It's not for you to fight your battle. It's for you to get to know me. I will fight your battles. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. I never called you to fight your battles. I'm going to go before you. I will fight for you. I'll give you victory. I'll give you a country that is not yours. I'll give you homes that you didn't build. I'll give you bread like in sleep. Trust me. Do not lean on your understanding. You don't know the picture. You think you know. You know nothing. Trust me. What you need is not to fight. What you need is to worship me, to get to know me, to get to trust me. That's what you need. Your problem is not what you see. Your problem is lack of relationship with me. And when he took his shoes and started to worship God, then God gave him the strategy. And the strategy didn't make any sense. Because anytime you obey God, is craziness. Now, going back, his husband told her, you are blind. Yes. It's difficult. Yes. It's not going to help you worry and lose faith and lose life. Stop focusing on you when you go through trials. 
Start focusing on God and forget you. Did you do you hear folks? Because I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about you and me. Stop focusing on self when you go through trials. You will go. You will have a few good days, a few bad days. That's life. Stop focusing on you. Learn to focus on God. That's the difference between us and the rest of the world. We don't have, we should not have a theory of God. We should have a real God. Our doctrines will never convince anybody. People may, we may close their mouth. We may have strong arguments that they are like, you know, but still not gain their heart. Before we have a real God, that they can see peace and faith and power and sacrifice and love. That would get their hearts. That's what we need. So he says to her, to her, to, to Jennifer, so, his, so her husband says to her, stop focusing on you. If you really want to be happy, focus on God and focus on people. Start serving people. She says, I am blind. How could I serve people? He says, oh, just ask God how he's going to give you a way to serve people. Doesn't matter if you are blind or old or sick or poor or handicapped. Doesn't matter if you are foolish or smart, if you are educated or not. Ask God to make you a blessing. Well, as soon as you pray that prayer, he can hardly wait to answer that prayer. Amen. I was preaching one time the Ten Commandments when I explained the fifth about children respecting the parents. An old lady came to me after the sermon. Can you talk to my kids to buy me a new car? <laughs> Explain them that this way they follow the fifth commandment? That's, that's what she got from the sermon when I said, stop focusing on your needs. I was ready to tell her, can you tell yourself to start loving your kids and not look for advantage? <laughs> stop focusing on your needs. Yes, you do have needs. You do have whatever, cancer, divorce, losing a job. You do, and they are real. But God does know if he's God. If not, then I don't need to worship him. If he's real and he's God, he does know. You don't have a problem that you have. You have a problem of trust. You need to learn to trust your God. So her husband told her that. She says, I cannot. I am blind. I cannot serve people. He says, well, you'll never be happy. You'll be miserable and lose your salvation. Not your eyes but your salvation. And he says, I'm not going to let you because I love you. I'm not going to leave you alone. Leave me alone. You don't love me. Because I love you, I'm not going to leave you alone. So, starting today, you start cooking again. I cannot. Yes, this is the knife. This is the potato. Start peeling. (laughs) You need to cook for me. We'll do it together. And then arguing, you know. (laughs) But eventually they did it. And then now we put the thing on the stove. Now we do this. Now they did cook. And then they ate and she says, it's good. He says, well, how did you feel during cooking? Actually, I, I felt good. That's because you didn't think about you. you. You were thinking about cooking. Take your eyes off your problem. Amen. And then he said, now we wash dishes together. Now we go shopping. I cannot go off the house. I cannot go out. He says, yes, you will. We go together. You are never alone. I love you. I am with you. Amen. They went shopping. They got back home. Next day they went shopping. Next day they went, you know. Eventually he got her moving again. And he said, now I go to work. I've been missing work for two months. I lose my job. Then we don't pay the bills. He said, no, you don't love me. You leave me alone. You are not alone. Just be calm. He went to work. 
He said, you know the house. You know the house. You know your house. You can close your eyes and go to the bathroom. Can you? Yes, I know the house. Then you'll survive. Bye. <laughs> he went to work. He came back. Next day went to work. He was like, you don't love me. You go to work. But eventually, she gave it up. After about two months, he says, it's time for you to go back to work. She said, what? You're crazy. I am blind. Stop whining. Stop focusing on you. Get busy blessing other people. Get busy serving. Take your eyes off your problem. Go to work. I cannot. I'll go with you. See, he took her to work. Five steps to the elevator. Get in the elevator. Push the lower button. Get out of the elevator. Five steps to the stairs. Five stairs down. Three steps to the door. Open the door. Fifteen steps to the parking. Up. Sidewalk. Two steps to the sidewalk. Bus station. Wait. Ask people for bus number, whatever. When the bus comes, get in the bus. Four stations. Get off the bus. Four steps off the sidewalk. Sixteen steps. Parking. Five steps up. Office door. And so on. He was counting with her. Next day again. Next day again. Next day again. And now he said... Tomorrow I go with you, but I'm not counting for you. Now you do the counting. She learned. You don't have to be smart. If you repeat something many times, you learn it. <laughs> so they go together. And she says, what is next? You do the count. Well, it's 16 steps. Okay, do it. Okay. She did it. He was there. Next day, she did it. He said, you don't need me. You can do it just alone. You are fine by yourself. No, don't leave me alone. Please, please, don't. Ah, I'm afraid, please. Ah, ah. Yeah, you are okay. Stop focusing on your problem. Learn to trust your God. Amen. Tomorrow you go to work alone. No, you don't love me. You abandon me. You just don't love me. That's what we do with God, don't we? We don't say it, but that's how we feel. And so next day, she went alone to work. Monday. Unsecure, unhappy, grumbling, commenting, you don't love me, you abandon me. Da, 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 da. Tuesday, she went to work. Wednesday, she went to work. Thursday, as she gets in the bus, the, drive, the driver says, ma'am, you are the happiest, most blessed woman, most loved woman, most loved person I've seen in my whole life. And she says, are you crazy? I am blind. <laughs> he says, ma'am, every time when you come to the bus, there is a military officer walking behind you. And he keeps his hands like this, and he counts. And when you get in the bus, he gets in the car and follows the bus. When you get off the bus, he follows you to the office door. When you get through that door, he salutes you, and then he blows a kiss and puts his hand on the heart, and he says, I love you in my life. Can it be that we are so blind that we blame God when he is always with us, you are never alone if you go through the waters. Can it be that we offend and hurt God because we focus on problems and self instead of focusing on God and getting to know God because life eternal is to know God? It's easy to praise him when you got an answer. But faith and knowing God is to praise him when you don't have an answer. Before you get an answer, that's when you know him. To have peace and to have joy and to have faith, crazy faith. It must be crazy. 
If you really want to be a Christian, you need to be crazy. You need to hear voices in your head. <laughs> yes. I'm not kidding. Spiritualism people talk to spirits. And they are proud of it. Shouldn't we talk to our God and be proud of it? Amen. We need to hear God's voice. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. He who has ears, you will hear a voice behind you. It's all over the Bible. I have, as I said, pages and pages of Bible verses and quotes from different authors that talk about having a close relationship with God. As Abraham talked to God, as Moses talked to God, you need to talk to God. Shouldn't we talk to God? Shouldn't we trust our God? How can you really be successful in winning a soul for God's kingdom if you yourself don't know and don't trust God and wave and doubt? How can you give what you don't have? You need to have him and know him in order to help somebody else and have power. Do you follow me? Folks, I keep telling stories, and we don't have time. We really need to go to the sermon. <laughs> but we don't have time for the sermon now. <laughs> it's 45 slides, and we did only three slides yesterday. <laughs> and we have only five minutes left over. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Folks, what reason would you have to be a Christian unless you know the God of your faith. Leave it alone. Go home. Eat pizza. Watch movies. Don't go to church anymore. Stop going because you lose your time if you don't get to know God. Because to know God is life eternal. You lose your time. If we go through this life and go to church and do the routine as the Pharisees did the routine, but don't get to know God and love God and trust God, we lose our time. If you really want to have power, power is when you know God. Power is when you walk with God. Power is when God becomes real. When you hear him, see him, walk with him, talk with him, trust him. Amen. Whatever you go through, you know that he is there. Remember Louisa Steed, you know the story. You, you know what song she wrote? It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Go on the internet, re read the story. <clears throat> they came as immigrants from Europe to America in the beginning of the century. I don't remember the year, but before the war. And as they came to America, they had no job, no apartment, no food, no money, no nothing. And they struggled for two months in the winter trying to survive. And eventually her husband got a job and they started to make it. And after another four or five years of heavy life, difficult life, heavy work, they finally took first vacation. And they went down from wherever in New York, down to South Carolina to go for five days to the beach and have a little vacation. And they had a little daughter, three years old girl. And as they went there, he saw a boy dying in the water. The waves took a boy and turned him, and he jumps in the water to save the boy, and they both drowned. They both died. So she lost her husband. It was winter when she went back. She had no job. She lost her apartment, and she had a little girl. 
and she prayed for a job and she looked for a job and she applied everywhere and it took three months and she didn't get any job. What would you do if you were her? When you pray and you don't have a place to sleep and you go and sleep in Central Park on a bench in the winter and you are cold and you take your baby to warm up the baby and you are freezing. What do you do? She wrote a song. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, to take him on his word. She didn't write the song when she had money. She wrote the song when she had nothing. And she was singing the song on a bench on Central Park in the freezing cold and wind and snow. And she was singing, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. And the stranger walks by and says, you must be very happy, ma'am, if you sing in this type of wind, winter and you are so peaceful. Your face is ra radiant. And he says, what do you have that you are so happy? I said, well, nothing. <laughs> he says, where do you work? I don't have a job. Where do you live? I don't have a house. Where do you sleep? On the bench. Are you kidding? You have a baby. Well, I've been here on the bench for a while. Then why do you sing? And she said, because I know my Savior. I know my Redeemer. And I know that he does what is best. And if he needs to test my faith, gold is purified through fire. And if I need to learn faith, instead of being miserable, I would rather learn faith. And if I need to learn humbleness or dependence or whatever lesson he, needs, he knows that I need, I would rather learn the lesson than complain because he has my best interest in his mind and I know him and I trust him. And as Job said, I know my Redeemer, even if I die. I know him. I will see him with my eyes. I don't care what happens to me. I know him and I will see him. And she said, who am I to complain? Jesus died on the cross. And the father didn't come to save him from the cross. Who am I to complain? I know him and I trust him, though I don't understand what is going on. He knows. He has a reason. I got to trust him. And the guy looks to her and says, you must be crazy. I said, well, to trust in an invisible power when you go through stuff, you need to be a little crazy. And he said, ma'am, you can have a job in my business. He's one of the five richest people in the history of the U.S. He was the owner and the beginning of all the railroad tracks all over. And he hired her to clean around in his house. And then he started to see how honest and how diligent she works, that she fears God and she does everything like for God. And so he put her over all his house. I visited that big house, that museum. And then he put her over all his businesses. She was dealing with tens of millions of dollars. And when she had everything, she said, I cannot live in this comfort. There are people that have nothing. Give me a vacation, I go to Africa. And she took all the money that she saved and she went to Africa building 11 orphanages, if I remember right. Don't quote me on that. And when she finished the money, she came back, worked a few years, and she went back to Africa. And she dedicated her life and she said, I cannot live for me. Whatever God gave me is from God. It's not my work. It's God's blessing. I got to use it for others. Because God didn't give it to me to live for me. God gave it to me that I can give it to others. Can you invent a song when you sleep on the bench in the winter and say, it is so sweet to trust? That's faith. God, the harder you are tested,
the more he wants to use you and bless you. A little test, it's a little result and a little work that you do. Big test, think about Moses. Think about Daniel being tested. Think about Joseph. Think about Abraham being tested. A big test, that means that he has a big plan for you. Stop complaining when you go through the test. He is preparing you for the work that he has for you. Stop focusing on the problems. You want to be used by God? There is no other way. You need to learn to trust him. And you don't learn trusting him when everything is fine. Oh God, please form my character. He's answering your prayer. <laughs> give me patience. He's not going to give you patience if nobody bothers you. He's going to send people to bother you because that's how you learn patience. <laughs> give me patience and stop these people from giving me hard time. Come on. I just answered your prayer and now you pray the other way around? <laughs> Whatever you ask for, that's what you get in trouble for. Because that's how you get your answer. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? God, help me be patient in my family. Your spouse, your kids are going to bother you like never before when you pray. Don't you notice that when you pray for something, that goes worse? Because God is giving you what you asked. Or stop asking. Or learn the lesson because he's teaching you the lesson that you asked for. We have very limited vision. We don't understand the big picture. And we think we are wise and smart. We need to learn humbleness. And God needs to break us. And then to teach us. And then to make us again. And then to grow us in order to use us and save us. And do you want to be saved? And do you want to have power? And do you want to be used? But you don't want to learn the lesson. There is no way around. Just get through it. Learn it and then get over it. Stop running from it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Amen. Stop running from trials. There is no growth without fire. There is no purity without fire. Period. You want to be in heaven? Get in the fire. It's, it's, we, I, was, I, was, I was extremely stupid and proud. I was stubborn like a donkey and proud. Oh, I have so much school, so many degrees. I have so much business. I have so much money. I know the prime minister of the country. I know the chief of the police. I know the mayor of the city. I have connections. I was like, you could not get to me because I was too proud. And I was praying, Lord, help me serve you. Help me serve you. God took everything from me, brought us to this country. We are without food, without money, without insurance, without work permit. When I would talk to Americans, I didn't know any English. And I used to talk to people from high society. And now I'm in America and I know five words. Yes, thank you, bye. You know? <laughs> and no, yeah. Yes, no, bye, thank you. And when Americans talked to me, they thought that if they scream, maybe I understand better English. <laughs> so they would talk to me and I would say, huh? They would raise their voice. I said, I don't understand the word. And they would scream even louder and get close to my mouth like... It's like, come on, regardless how hard you scream, still I don't get you because I don't know English. It was frustrating, it was humiliating. My classmates would drive to school, I would walk. Not because it's healthy, I just didn't have a car. <laughs> Besides that, for me, food is holy. 
We went several days without food. I got dizzy. I could not walk because I didn't eat for so many days. I prayed for food. God didn't answer. He didn't seem to care. I said, why did you bring me to this country? I never wanted to give up my business and leave my country. I had a good position, a lot of influence, a lot of power, a lot of money. Why did you bring me here? To destroy me? You want to ruin my life? That's how I was praying. I mean it. I'm a little crazy, so I did say it. <laughs> we don't say it, but we feel that way. And uh, above everything, I got an allergy that 11 months I was full of spots on my body and itchy and hot and burning and swellings and I could not sleep anymore. I was scratching myself. They gave me prednisone until they killed me with prednisone and nothing happened. It didn't help. I went every Thursday to the doctor 11 months and nobody could do a thing. And I prayed and nothing happened. Until one night when I just gave up, I said, you know what? And I got a letter from the school that they will expel me because I didn't pay. And I got a letter from the apartment building that I didn't pay and they will kick us out from the apartment. And it was just raining with trouble. And one night I said, Lord, you know what? Kill me. I don't care. I surrender. I don't care if I lose school. I don't care if I lose life. I don't care if I have allergy. I just cannot take it anymore. Do whatever you want. I give up. And as long as I kept fighting, nothing happened. That night, when I prayed the whole night, around 5 a.m. in the morning, I just collapsed and I said, you know what? I surrender. Next morning, allergy started to go away by itself. They called me from the school. Hey, somebody paid for you. And I didn't ask anybody. I was too proud to ask. I would always give, never take a penny. I was too proud. I said, no, 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 I don't. Are you okay? I am fine. In fact, I was so stupid to take a toothpick in my mouth when I didn't eat. And I would just chew the toothpicks and keep it so people would see it. So they thought that I am cleaning my teeth and I ate. Can you believe that? Uh, how, st somebody, how stupid somebody can be, you know? <laughs> and so I just said, you know what? Kill me, do whatever you want, I surrender. Do whatever you want with my life, my kids, my wife. I, I, just, I just cannot fight this. It's bigger than me. When I gave up, things started to happen. And my wife got three jobs, and I got two jobs, and I started to get straight A's in school, though I didn't know English. I don't know how. But anyway, <laughs> and the story is long. You can read my book. But God did so major, so major miracles that it would blow everybody's mind around me. And they would say, my classmates, why would God do that for you? And I said, are you crazy? Do you want to go through what I have been through? You are sponsored by the conference, you have a car, you have an apartment. Be happy, don't complain that God doesn't do miracles for you. A miracle, it's a response to a need. Do you want the need? You ask for a miracle, you don't know what you ask for. You ask for trouble in order to pray, in order to have an answer, to have a miracle. Stop asking for trouble. <laughs> do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Oh, why would God answer your prayer and do such a major miracle? Because I had a major need. But God didn't work before he broke me and taught me to be humble and to be nothing. And I don't pretend that I know it. But you cannot be used before you go through that. So stop trying to solve your problems. If God allowed it, you need it. All things work together. 
for the benefit of those who love the Lord. Amen. God didn't take a vacation. He's not sleeping. He knows exactly what you go through. and He loves you more than you'll ever, even in heaven, understand. If God allowed it, learn the lesson. If not, you have to repeat the class. Do you want to repeat it again and again? Learn the lesson and go to the second grade. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Our time is up long ago. I got to catch a plane. Listen, folks, I'm so sorry that we didn't preach the sermon. <laughs> Let's take one minute and pray privately, and then I'll have a closing prayer. It was a privilege for me to be with you. Don't take everything I say. I don't pretend that I know it or I have the truth or anything like that. Just see what the Holy Spirit would inspire you and take what is appropriate for you. What you have confidence that is from God, that's what you need. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgive us for so many times. We don't know you, we don't trust you, and you love us with a love greater than the, the universe, an infinite grace and mercy and kindness and love. Help us seek you more than anything else, more than jobs, more than anything, more than life. Help us thirst for you, help us know you, help us love you. Help us remain in you, continual connection, walking with you, depending on you, trusting in you. Help us just spend time knowing you and being transformed more and more like you until people would see your character in us, your love, your compassion, your humbleness, your kindness in us. Help us become like Jesus. We cannot do that, absolutely not. But you can do anything. We don't need to understand how. Help us put our eyes on you and keep trusting that you will finish what you started, not because of us, but because of your grace. We pray in Jesus' merits and thank you, Lord, for answering. We love you and we praise you. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.